Welcome to Richard Helpy's Common Bridge, the fiercely nonpartisan discussion that seeks policy solutions to issues of the day. Rich is a successful entrepreneur in the technology, health, and finance space. He and his wife, Leslie, are also philanthropists with interest in civic and artistic endeavors with a primary focus on medically and educationally underserved children. Hello, and welcome to The Common Bridge. I'm your host, Richard Helpy. Today, I'm not going to host anybody. Just here to speak to my many listeners and viewers, and I do appreciate your support on both of these channels. Richard Helby's Common Bridge was established because we spend way too much time in our country cheering on a team versus asking those that we elect to solve the issues of the day and to seize the opportunities of the moment with great policies. We also know that the reporting industry has collapsed into a form of partisan entertainment. It is deliberately designed to outrage and to mislead and to help whichever side they're on fundraise, and then they rinse and repeat and go to the next outrage. And people have become accustomed to that, and indeed, some people have become very comfortable with it. And so what's the result? We are stalled on the major issues of the day. And during the time that I've been hosting the Common Bridge, one of the best things is that really complex problems like healthcare policy, firearms, immigration, infrastructure, climate change, policing, we've been able to talk with people from all points on the political spectrum and reach a part where they say, yeah, that's not exactly what I would do, but it's a lot better than where we are today. And the reason I'm coming to you today without a guest is because one of the issues that really sparked the formation of the Common Bridge was the issue of firearms in the society of the United States. It was following one of the unfortunate, tragic mass shootings, and politicians on one side went to their familiar place, politicians on the other side went to their familiar place, the reporting industry said the things we all knew they were going to say and they were going to say every time, and then nothing got done. The reason for this is that we lack the will and we lack asking those people that are elected and people that report to be accountable. We're not making any progress here. So today I want to talk about a solution for firearms. And no matter where you are on the political spectrum, all I'd like you to do is consider and say, would this be better than where we are today? And I'm going to start off a little bit by talking about what the solution is. And it's not anything radical. It's graduated licensing. And we do this for all kinds of things. We do this for driver's licenses. We don't give a 16-year-old license to drive a car and say, hey, there's your license. You're 16. Go ahead and pick up a semi-truck and take it out on the highway. We don't do that. For pilots, when a pilot gets their first license, they are allowed to fly in limited space under certain conditions, under aircraft with a certain amount of power and capability. And then they have to be tested. They have to get a medical exam to move up to the next level. Because I know if you get on that commercial flight someday, we hope, that you don't want someone who just got their first license last week at the controls of that aircraft. You want to know that they've been through a graduated licensing process. Medical professionals also go through a progressive set of licensing. 
We don't allow a first-year medical student to come out and lead a surgery that cuts into our brain. We make sure that those surgeons are well-trained, they're tested, they work under the supervision of a more senior surgeon before they're qualified to run a case. And finally, another place that I think really has a strong parallel is fireworks. Not anybody can just go in and purchase, store, and operate fireworks. Not only do you have to know how to use them and demonstrate that, you have to demonstrate you know how to store them safely so someone else doesn't get their hands on them. And there's no reason in the world that we can't do that for firearms. Now, I am not a constitutional scholar, not a lawyer of any kind, but I'm a reasonably well-read person and considers things from all angles. And I'm open to hearing new things and new perspectives so that I can reach a conclusion. But I think the framers and the founders really had ideas in mind about what makes a free people and what ensures freedom. And so the Second Amendment that they wrote, and I'll read it to you, it says, a well-regulated militia, comma, being necessary to the security of a free state, comma, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. So they weren't talking about preserving hunting rights. They weren't talking about preserving the ability to target shoot. They weren't talking about the ability to collect inoperable firearms. They were talking about the real things that have impacted humankind from the beginning is that stronger, more organized, tyrannical governments, be they under a monarch or a party or some other form, has a much easier time committing genocide, enslavement, or otherwise subjugating an unarmed populace. And just look at what's going on in Myanmar today with the Uyghurs in China. Think about the Poles leading up to World War II and the Jews, and think about the difference had they been armed. So what is the problem that we're trying to solve then? I think it boils down to this. We need to keep firearms out of the hands of the people that shouldn't have them. I'm going to repeat that. We need to keep firearms out of the hands of the people that shouldn't have them. We're not saying that we need to restrict any type of firearms. We need to fully acknowledge that a firearm is designed to do one thing, and that's to kill and to do it very efficiently. And we need to understand that we can regulate this power over life and death without surrendering our Second Amendment rights. Look, there's about 430 million guns in circulation in the United States today. And about 20 million of those are semi-automatic rifles. People not as knowledgeable about firearms will call those assault rifles. It's not all hunters. There's only about 10 or 11 million deer hunted each year. It doesn't count the ones that are hunted without a permit, but it does include about 4 million who hunt with a bow. And so we need to look at how have firearms been used? How are they being portrayed? About two of every three gun deaths are suicides. I think it's a reasonable discussion to say, would those suicides occur absent the firearm? Or would they be some least successful means? We don't know. About half of the people who commit suicide do use a firearm, and about three of every four murders in the United States are committed with a firearm. There's about 500 unintentional firearm deaths in the United States every year. That means 10 a week. Again, if you can look at it any way you want, 10 a week is a lot, or 10 a week out of 330 million is not that much. But can we reduce that? We should. 
And then we think about the conflict and the rising division in the country. And the problem with a gun is that it makes the first blow lethal. So we need to understand that those are real issues that we need to deal with without infringing on the Second Amendment rights. And look, guns are part of our culture. If you look at the American movies, we look at Westerns, we see gunplay constantly, inappropriate gunplay. We see very antiseptic scenes of gunshot deaths. We never see the trauma to the victim or the families that goes on forever and doesn't end. We see the NRA and the writers in Hollywood in lockstep that a good guy with a gun always wins. That's not the case. A gun doesn't solve problems universally. It's a tool. It's a tool designed to kill. It's a tool that we have the ability to regulate. And what I'm about to propose to you would have stopped nearly every one of the mass shootings that have occurred recently. And I want to contrast that with much of the proposed changes are really after the fact. We have laws today that says a domestic abuser cannot have a gun. Well, guess what? They've already committed the domestic abuse. We have red flag laws suggested that says somebody that is getting mental health treatment and couldn't have the gun. Guess what? They're already getting the mental health treatment. They already have the firearm. So how do we proactively make sure that guns are only in the vast multitude of people that handle them responsibly and for the intended purposes, which includes sporting, of course, but also includes home protection. And knowledgeable law enforcement have told me that they can't be every place at once. And one thing that keeps crime down in houses is that some of the criminals know that they're going to be met with force. Otherwise, 22-year-old criminal can go through the window of a 70-year-old with a pipe, a bat, a knife, and overpower them before the police can get there. So the firearm is a tool. It's a tool that needs to be in the right hand. We say something about the wrong hands. Can we all agree that a young person, 18, 19, 20, going into a gun store and buying their first firearm and they choose a semi-automatic rifle and a thousand rounds of ammunition, that that's just a bad idea. There's no justification for it. So here's the proposal. Somebody wants to own a firearm, they can. And there's first an initial license. And that license would be subject to a written test, on firearm safety, including the safe storage of the firearm. It might include education about what occurs when a person is injured by being shot. It certainly includes how to competently handle the weapon and possibly some scenarios that are very real world. And guess what? It's not television. And limit that first gun to perhaps a revolver of a smaller caliber, maybe a hunting rifle with a limited number of rounds, say three. And that rifle would have to be used under the supervision of a licensed hunter. That's the first exposure. If that individual that holds that entry-level license then wants to get a different firearm after a period of time, they can go in there, demonstrate that they practiced on the range demonstrate that they have been evaluated by an instructor and just like pilots demonstrated that they can pass a simple medical and psych evaluation. And then perhaps the next firearm is the most popular weapon in the United States, a semi-automatic handgun. And again, limit the magazine capacity. Maybe the rifle could be a little bit more powerful with a period of time to review and practice with that weapon, to be tested with it. And as they gain competence and pass their medical exams, then they can go to the next level, which might include 
a more powerful rifle, larger magazines, and the like. Again, just the same way we do with fireworks. And storage requirements would be part of this. Now, you might think it's a conflict to say, well, how can you store a weapon and still use it for personal protection? This is, problem has been solved a long time ago with various gun vaults that can be operated with fingertips in the dark. It secures the weapon against children. It secures the weapon against those that are curious and it keeps it accessible. Now, again, nothing is foolproof. There's a saying that a child will find a gun. You should expect that they're gonna locate it and you better make darn sure that it's inoperable. So in this way, we're not denying the rights to anybody to own any type of firearm, that there is a legitimate deterrent effect against tyranny with an armed populace. And at the same time, we keep the firearms out of the hands of people that shouldn't have them. It's what the framers and the founders, I think, would want. It is something that would make sense for all of us. And it's one of those common bridge solutions that I'd like to propose to my listeners and viewers and ask them to consider, would this be better than this unlicensed situation or uncontrolled situation we have today? And would it be better than confiscating tens of millions of firearms from people who are law-abiding? Again, the vast, vast, vast majority of people that own those firearms. I think it's a starting point. I know it's a change, but it's a change that we're overdue. And I'd just like you to consider that. This is Rich Helpy. That's my view on firearms on today's Common Bridge. You have been listening to Richard Helpy's Common Bridge podcast. Recording and post-production provided by Stunt3 Multimedia. All rights are reserved by Richard Helpy. For more information, visit richardhelpy.com.